Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Well, good morning, church. How many of you know God is great and greatly to be praised? Man, I'll tell you what, that was absolutely wonderful. And all of us here at Lakeland, we want to say hello to everyone watching at Highland Colony and having church with you guys today is a blessing. Let's give it up for them uh, here at Lakeland, for everyone there at Highland Colony. We love you guys, and we love what's going on at that campus. And then all of us at all of our physical locations, can we give it up for everyone watching around the world online? Uh, We're so glad to have you tune in with us wherever you are tuning uh, with us from, and we're just uh, honored and delighted that you take the time to take a moment to open up God's Word with us, and we're excited about this. And so I I actually, you know, we're going to talk about forgiveness, and I was going to talk about the key of David and how that key is like two-sided. On one side is learning how to forgive yourself, because David was good at that, and on the other side is learning how to forgive everyone else, and David was good at that, and how if you get that key, you can unlock anything. Uh, And out of that, uh, one day I think we'll teach on that, but today uh, at the 8.30 service. Uh, The Holy Spirit just kind of dropped something entirely different in my heart. And so we're just going to go in that direction today. Uh, And I want to ask all of you, uh, no matter where you're at, to open up with me to the book of Hebrews. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 11. It says, through faith, Hebrews chapter 11 is the great faith chapter. He says, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age, when it was past time. It wasn't the time. Her expectation had already been delayed but yet she still produced a miracle. Why? Because she judged God faithful who had promised. How many of you know God's a faithful God? Oh, come on, church. I said, how many of you know God is a faithful God? He is faithful. You can rely on him. You can count on him. But I I love the context of this scripture because it shows us the human side of Sarah And I love how Scripture does this. It shows us the humanity of the people uh, who saw miracles, that they were, as James talks about, Elijah, the guy who called fire down from heaven, a man just like you, with like passions, that even after he did that, he wrestled with severe depression, so much so that he almost committed suicide. Uh, These type of men and women were the men and women who saw miracles because that's the only type of men and women God has is people who are flawed and people who are human and people who are like you and me in desperate need of a savior, but who make a decision to get in faith. And Sarah made a decision to get in faith, but she didn't always have that fight about her. In fact, there was a time where she was a little offended with God. Uh, As a female, she naturally had an expectation that she would have children. And this expectation was something that she was excited about. She had this dream. Whenever you have a dream, you're excited. 
and a lot of people, this is why they're not excited, is they don't have a dream. You need one. If, if, if you don't have a dream, your heart's not working right. Uh, no matter how old you are, there should be a dream of, of seeing the hand of God. And somebody says, well, you know, you go in churches and they talk about the power of God or they talk about faith and all they want is stuff, da 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 And it's true. I've been in those types of churches where I got the impression that it was just all about upward mobility. Uh, but here's the truth of the matter is God is a God who asks us. In fact, it's a commandment. Whatever's not of faith is sin. Uh, he commands us to live by faith. If you're just, live by faith. Don't walk by what you see. Live by faith. And the reason why God asks us to do that is it's not just about our desires being met. It's about his glory being revealed. And so it's not just having a child. It's showing the child off and being like, God did this. Uh, it is not just about building a church. It's about building a church and saying, God did this. It's not just having a career that goes all over the world because you want to be famous. It's about God giving you a platform so that you can come and proclaim his name and make his name famous and say, God did this. How many of you know in your life you need some God did this moments? Oh, come on, church, that, that God wants us to taste and see that God is good. That scripture has been in my heart all week since Tuesday. Tuesday, we had staff prayer, and we were just praying, and that scripture came up of like, taste and see that God is good. And this week, I have particularly been uh, impacted by that word taste. Uh, and the reason why is it, it was my birthday on Friday. Uh, and I say this for a message illustration, not so you can wish me a happy birthday. Don't worry. I'll take a happy birthday. Don't worry. Uh, but I'm saying this for, for connotation. Out of it being my birthday week, people bring me food. And that's one of the biggest blessings. Well, it can be a blessing. It doesn't help the waistline. Uh, but uh, as a pastor, people bring you food. <laughs> like all the time. Uh, cakes and pies and pudding and like all kinds of food, hot pudding, cold pudding, banana pudding, chocolate pudding. Like it doesn't matter. They just bring it, bread pudding. It just comes. Uh, and no, none more so than your birthday week. And my birthday week, I had blackberry bars. And, oh man, I had, you know, pumpkin bread and whimsy cookies, like all these things brought to the house. Uh, but Kim Gardner is a lady in our church. She made me a peanut butter pie. Uh, I like peanut butter. I just do. And this peanut butter pie had, you know, the, the peanut butter filling. And then beneath the peanut butter was a layer of chocolate. Oh, my gosh, a layer of chocolate. Then the pie crust. On top of the filling was the whipped cream. And on top of the whipped cream was peanut butter cups. The Lord is good to your boy. And I tell you. I, I cut a slice. I cut a slice. I don't know if you ever had, you know, food like this. It's so good. It just makes your tongue want to slap your brains out. It's like, what is going on in my mouth? And so I, I had one of those moments where I just had to set down the fork and be like, this is good. <laughs> like, I just, I can't keep eating this, uh, like, without, like, honoring it <laughs> in some type of fashion. I just had to, like, set the fork down and be like, 
That's good. And how many of you think God is good, but God wants to be, so, and I really believe this, like it's not just preacher hype, but God wants to be so good to us that we just gotta set the fork down. Like just set the fork down and be like, I gotta kiss the cook. Like God, you have been so good. And I don't know what that is for you. It could be a release of something in your life where you're not wrestling with that addiction anymore or your marriage is better than ever or like Sarah, you're holding a child you didn't know you could have. Like in all these types of moments, but in some shape, form, or fashion, how many of you want the goodness of God so experienced in your life? You're tasting it. You're seeing it. You just got to set the fork down and be like, God, you are so good. And I really believe that moment is happening. And Sarah had that moment, but it was past time. (laughs) I really believe we're, we're stepping into that moment just like Sarah did, where we're holding the things we desired. She had this natural desire, but it was more than just a natural desire. It was a godly desire. God came to that woman and her husband and said, I'm going to give you a seed, and out of that seed, I'm going to bless the whole world. And for 16 years, that promise went unfulfilled in her life until she got to the point where she was past age. And past due. And it looked like it would never happen. And God came and reminded her of the promise he gave her. And when he did, she laughed. And it wasn't like, (laughs) I'm so thankful. It was, (laughs) that's so impossible. Because she had gotten to this place where she was so discouraged about the promise that she wasn't dreaming it, she wasn't praying about it, she wasn't talking about it, she wasn't sowing towards it. Uh, She was not going after it, she wasn't fighting the fight of faith over it. She'd given up on it. Why? It was past time. If God was gonna do it, he would have done it by now. Uh, If God wanted it to happen, would have already happened. And I'm seeing other people kind of walk in some of these things, so maybe it's just not for me. So I'll learn to live without it. It doesn't have to happen. And I know I wanted it at one time, but you know, we were all young and dumb, and you have wild dreams when you're young and uh, those types of things. And after all, I'm fine. I mean, I've got Abraham, I've got all this. Fine, it's, it's okay. Is it? Is it? Is it okay? Well, it's not okay, but it's past time. I'm telling you, this was not my message. Key of David, forgiveness, two sides, open any door. We've got Sarah today, past time, past time. If it would have happened, it would have happened by now. God said he would have done it. We moved the whole family for it. Still hasn't happened. I'm fine. Are you? Not really. It's just past time. No fight for it. No wrestling with God over it. No no fired up worship. Did you know the promised land must be possessed? That when God came and he told the children of Israel, behold, I give you a land. It wasn't like, and I am handing it to you. He said, now go and possess it. Take it. 
that from the day of John the Baptist, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent, and the violent take it. Uh, it's got to be taken. Uh, and faith, one of the ways you know you're in it is there is a fight in you. There's a fight for it. There's a going after it. There's something fired up in your soul because you're, you're, you're hearing the impossible and you're seeing the invisible. And in your heart, you hear the sound of an abundance of rain. It's like, go look. And they're like, there's nothing. It's like, I'm not done. And you get down there and you fight. It's like, why are you doing that? There's nothing changes. It's like, but I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Go look. And they go look again. It's like, Man, chill. There's nothing. Gets down, gets his head in between his knees, prays and cries out to God, go look, nothing. Go look, nothing. Comes back after another time and he's like, I see the cloud the size of a man's hand. He's like, you better go, you better go get the chariot ready. It's about to pour. And sure enough, it did. I hear it. And there are moments in your life where you look at life and like none of it is the way you pictured it, but it's okay because you still hear it. And you don't see it, but you hear it. Like on the inside, it's like, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. God's about to do something and you got to jump to you. You got to fight in you. You got a rejoicing coming from you. And that's how you know you're in faith. You can see faith. You can hear faith. You can almost smell faith. Like faith is one of those things that when you're in it, it's like he can, he can look up. Jesus looked up and saw their faith. It's like, what? When you're in faith, there's a fight. And for a long time, Sarah was in faith. I mean, can you imagine her, your husband comes to you and he's like, we're moving everything, everywhere. All your friends, we're leaving them, family leaving them. Where are we going? God will show us. And you leave all of that into a land God's showing you, all for this promise God has made you. And for 16 years, that promise is going unfulfilled. Until finally, it's past time. And if it would have happened, it would have happened by now. So I'm just not even going after it anymore. I don't want to get my hopes up. I, I, I don't want to believe. I don't want to fight because if it would have happened, I was fighting. Nothing happened. Have you ever been offended with God? Do you know that's a real thing? And did you know you shouldn't feel shame if you felt that way? Because once again, we are all people subject of like passions. You remember John the Baptist? John was this guy. Jesus said, none, none greater born of a woman than John the Baptist. Like John, woo, amazing. He's out there doing his thing, dunking people, baptizing them in the name of the Lord. Jesus comes, he's like, behold the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. He's like, it's him. And Jesus is like, baptize me. And he's like, I can't baptize you. You're the son of God, you baptize me. He's like, no, baptize me. You baptize with water, I'm gonna baptize with fire. He baptizes him. He comes up out of the water. When he does, the Holy Spirit falls on Jesus. God speaks with an audible voice and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And it's awesome. Until it wasn't. And John was in prison and going through something he never saw. He would go, it wasn't on his vision board. And he gets in prison, and he also has this thought, we should have been out of this by now. Anybody else felt that way here recently? It's like, we should have been out of this by now. 
Because we do that with God, don't we? We set times. By this time, by 30, <laughs> by 35, ah, maybe 36. Uh, we set time. By the end of the year, we set time on God, and we forget God lives outside of time. He lives outside of time. We set calendars. God doesn't. For God, there's seasons. Um, and out of this, John has this expectation that, one, I never saw myself in prison, and two, if God loved me, he'd have came out and got me out of this prison by now. And so he actually pulls his disciples together. John had disciples too. He pulls his, his disciples together, and he says, will you go ask Jesus if it's really him? Now, this is the same Jesus that when they were in their mother's wombs, they leapt when they got around each other. Like this is a relative. And he is so offended that he is in this place still without being delivered. That he sends his disciples to go say and ask Jesus, are you the one or should we wait on another? And Jesus hears this. And he tells those disciples, he says, go back and you tell John this. The blind see, the lame walk, and blessed are all those who are not offended with me. Offended in Jesus. Why? He's not doing what I want him to do. I'm still in the problem. And I've been praying and living right. And I'm still in the mess. Offended because God has not operated by your plans or your timetable not understanding that God doesn't base quality of life on length. God bases quality of life on fulfillment of purpose. And out of these things, uh, people get offended. People get frustrated. I was reading my father's journal uh, the other day. My wife, uh, for my birthday last year, I had my father's journal. He only made one journal entry his entire life, and she had it um, painted and put uh, in six different frames, uh, and the artist hand-wrote his handwriting, so it's in his handwriting, uh, and it's artwork, and it's in my house, and I went by and looked at it. In the context of my father's life, it was two weeks before he died. And the context of it was dealing with frustration, disappointment, and offense in people. Uh, and um, somewhat from the Lord. He was planning to build this, uh, but it was overpriced and it was a, a little overdrawn. And what he thought would cost $10 million was going to cost $20 million. And he's praying for it and he's not seeing the results that he wants to see and he's frustrated because he's feeling the pressure to do it and stress is in his life and like all of these other types of things. And he wrote in that journal about the Syrophoenician woman who came to God and she comes crying out, my daughter is vexed with a demon. And he answered her not a word, the Bible says. He answered her not a word. You can read this in the book of Matthew. He answers her not a word. And the disciples come to Jesus, and they're like, send her away. Like, tell her to leave, because she keeps crying out to us. 
And she finally works her way over to Jesus and she falls down on her knees and worships him and says the same thing. My daughter, she's on her knees, people, on her knees crying out to God. My daughter is sick, vexed by a devil. Son of David, have mercy on me. Now she's using a covenant word that did not belong to her. Uh, She was not a a, a son of David. Uh, She was not a, a child of Israel. She was a Canaanite. And Jesus said, I have not been sent but to the lost uh, house of Israel. Because there was coming a time when the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all flesh, but most of his miracles had been done in the Jewish community. And she could have got offended. Why? I'm on my knees, man, crying out to you. And you're answering me not a word? And she said, truth, Lord. But even the dogs eat from the bread that falls from the master's table. And Jesus looked at her and smiled and said, go your way. Your faith has made your daughter whole. And the Bible says she was healed in that very moment. My father wrote about that instance. He said, two things I notice about this woman is she wouldn't be offended and she couldn't be discouraged. Oh, come on, somebody. She wouldn't be offended and she couldn't be discouraged. She wouldn't be offended in God. That it wasn't, the plan was not going the way she thought it would. And she wouldn't be discouraged that when she was answered not a word and it seemed like heaven was locked, that she would keep worshiping anyway. That she would keep going after it anyway. That she had a dream and she would not let go of it. And God honored that. And why is that story in there? Because God knew that there'd be people like me and you who sometimes in our life, and like Sarah, would have God give us a promise and God would give us a dream and God would give us something that at some point in our life, maybe even our younger years, We were thrilled about it, filled with hope and joy at the expectation and promise of it, of what it would mean to us and our family and the kingdom of God and like all of these other types of things. But then time comes and it gets past time and we get discouraged. What do you do in those moments? What'd she do? You, you have this lady, and it is way past her time. <laughs> the time of expectation of when this should be born in her life is long gone. And she came to this point where it was funny in the worst kind of way. Funny because it's impossible. It's impossible. Pastor Joe, it's impossible. Uh, maybe it's the marriage. It's It's impossible. <laughs> It's impossible that our best days are behind us. Maybe it's the cur- uh, are in front of us. Um, uh, maybe it's the career, and it's like Pastor, <laughs> Pastor Joel. Like maybe at one time, but you know how old I am now. Uh, and do you know like the type of education you have to have to have a career like that? And like it's it's impossible. Did you know impossible is where God starts? That oftentimes God, God has to get you to impossible to really display his glory so that when it finally comes to pass in your life, it's not by your works that you can boast of. I, I rose and slayed until I made it happen. And God's like, oh gosh, if it wasn't me giving you the breath in your lungs, you wouldn't even wake up in the morning. You should have been dead, but I saved you as even a child. You didn't even see it. What do you mean you rose and slayed? 
And we come back to where pride always wants to rise up, but God starts at the impossible when no flesh can glory in his presence. Well, how did it happen? God. How are you holding that baby? The Lord God. How are you able to do that? The Lord helped me and sustained me and brought me to this moment for his glory and by his aid. But my question is, is how did she fight like that? Like, how did she get her fight back? The Bible says she did something amazing, that in that season where she was discouraged, maybe even a little offended, she did something awesome. And the Bible says she counted God faithful. She counted him faithful. She went back in her life and she saw all the moments God helped her, God sustained her, God fixed her, God provided for her, God protected her. She went back in her minds to all the place in her life where she had seen the goodness of God in the land of the living, and she had tasted and seen that he was good, and she chewed on her past long enough until it gave her strength in her present to contend for her future. And I'm telling you, some of you in this room, that is exactly what you need to do. You're, you're not fighting for a dream. You're surviving. And you're lying to yourself, telling yourself you're okay. And God is like, really? What happened to that person who two years ago was, was standing uh, and shouting and maybe even dancing a little bit in the living room, excited about what I was about to do in your life? What happened to him? What happened to her? What happened to her who was down on her knees and when she prayed, she didn't see anything, but she said, go look again. And then she didn't see anything, but she came back and said, go look again. What happened to her? What, what happened to that type of lady? Don't lie to yourself and tell yourself you're okay. It's like, where is that fight and that contention for not just your dream, but for what I promised you? And Sarah said, I got mine back. How, Sarah, how'd you get it back? I counted him faithful. I counted him faithful who had promised. This week, and this was the, scripture, or the story that kept coming uh, to my heart. This week, I stumbled across something on social media. And there was this lady, she uh, helps pastor a church in New York. And she was talking about how um, her life had been impacted by her grandmother. And she was coming at it from a, a season of life where um, her grandmother had recently passed away and she was hurt by that, that loss because her grandmother was her spiritual rock. Um, but also just with her faith in general um, because she was praying for some fixes in herself that she had not seen yet and asking God and his grace to come in and alter some things in her heart that she had not seen him do yet. And she didn't understand why that had happened. And right before her grandmother had passed away, her grandmother gave her a conversation that helped her forever. And she was sharing that conversation to help those who might be in that same spot, who were discouraged in their faith. Maybe even, maybe even. A little offended. She said, a number of years ago, I went through some things, and she said, make a long story short, basically, I got hooked on drugs, like in a bad way, 
like a really, really bad way. And she said, in the, in the process of this, my grandmother was praying. How many of you are thankful for praying grandmothers? Amen. Amen. How many of you think we should pray more for our family? We have, I, I had that come up in my heart last service at the, the 10 o'clock, that we've had people exit the earth and leave their mantles, but nobody's picking them up, especially that mantle of intercession, linking God and man together until God intervenes on behalf of man. I'm telling you, we need that mantle in the earth. We need Elisha to pick up that mantle and to come and smite the Jordan. We need it. And I, I believe even in this room, there's some people of you, you need to take up that mantle for your family and say, I will take every member of the family and I will lay hold of them in prayer until God intervenes in their lives. But this is what this grandmother did for her, her granddaughter. Uh, just She had this love for her and would pray for her. And even, and especially when she got hooked on drugs. And uh, out of the, the course of life, and I believe it was because of the grandmother's prayers, a, another young lady invited this young lady to come to church. And she said, I sat in church, and she said, I have one of those stories. And I, I, I kid you not, I contend for this, and I am contending for this, that you have some of these stories where you come back to like the world and be like, I have one of those stories. But she said, I was sitting in church, and she said, it's my first time there in a long time, and she said, I'm, I kid you not, God met me. God met me at that church. And in that service, I lost all taste for drugs, like every bit of it. All the addiction went. What Satan had done in years in building that addiction, God did in a moment in breaking that addiction. And how many of you know we serve a God that can do in a moment what Satan was trying to build for years? I mean, we serve a God who can do that. And we have to contend for that, though. Like, there's got to be those praying grandmothers who contend for that. Uh, and she had that in her life, uh, a moment like that. And she said, ever since then, I was hooked on church. Like, so much so, she's a pastor now. And, and pastor in this church and seeing God, like, do some things. But years had passed since then, and she was still wrestling with some things in herself that had not been fixed. And it was discouraging because it's like, God, I see, like, I'm not blind to what you have done. Like, I have seen what you changed in me, and now here I am asking you to help me fix these things about me, and I'm not seeing progress made in that area. And she's frustrated, and she was telling her grandmother about this. And, uh, you know, going through those things, and then even wrestling with some things in her faith of all that had happened in New York during COVID, because... You know, New York was hit first with COVID in the States and, and their church uh, family, they had seen members die and like wrestled with death and all these things and like wondering, where is the God that I know that set me free? And she said her grandmother listened to her because sometimes how many of you know that's what we need? We don't need people to talk. We need people to listen. Amen. <laughs> uh, I found that out in marriage, by the way. Uh, so, so out of that, uh, sometimes we just need to listen. And she said, after she listened to me, uh, she got up and she said, uh, why don't you just wait right here? And she said, she came back with two items. The first item was a picture of me. 
And she said, it was a picture of me at the height of my addiction. But that's who I was. And her grandmother would pray for her with that picture, believing that God would come in and just wreck the girl that was in that picture. She said, this is who you were. This is where you were. Held up the picture. And she set the picture down. And she held up the next item, which was a mirror. (laughs) And she said, look at who you are. Look at how far God has brought you. (laughs) Look at what he's brought you through. Look at what he's brought you to. Look at the smile that's on your face as I'm saying these words. Look at the clearness of your eyes. Look at what God has done for you. Look at how far you've come. And are you completely where you want to be? No. Are there some dreams that are still out there on the table? Yes. Are there some expectations that maybe in your life haven't been met? Maybe. But I'm telling you, the same God that took you from there to here is the same God that will take you from here to there. And the same way he took you from there to here is the same way he's going to take you from here to there. The faithfulness of God in your past is the thing that fuels your faith in the present and enables God to take you on the next journey. And I'm telling you, for some of you, you need to remember where you came from. You need to remember what God brought you out of. You need to remember how God healed your family. You need to remember how God restored your life. You need to remember how God didn't give up on you, how religion may have left you, but God never failed you. You need to remember the God, the friend that God sent in your life that picked you up when you were crying, the random phone call in the middle of the day that just encouraged you and gave you life. That wasn't just a good person. That was God putting it on the heart of someone working behind the scenes. You need to remember the goodness of God. You need to go back to some of those old prayer journals and remember what God spoke to you. A couple of uh, months ago, I I walked through our old sanctuary uh, on Highway 18. And I'm out there, and my, my spiritual formation happened in that church. In 1991, we opened it. I was eight years old. And I can remember running through the church, and so much of the lessons I learned happened in those walls. And, and I was sitting in service uh, and sitting in the church just remembering all those years from 1991 all the way to 2001. In 2001, as a teenager and uh, due to the goodness of God, had discovered my call and was thinking about ministry, and then my father passed away. And in that same church, not only was my spiritual formation formed, but that's the same place where I almost lost my faith. Because in the same altar where I would answer the altar call to come stand and give my life to Jesus was the same altar where we did my father's funeral. His casket was there at 44 years old. And I'm, I'm, I'm remembering these moments. And I'm remembering the tears I cried. And I remember the anger that I had. And I remember how God restored me. And I'm walking through this facility and they're telling me what they're doing with it and I'm listening to it, but I don't really care because I have all these memories of these moments where I wrestled with God. And then I remember preaching my first sermon in that altar. 
And I can remember after preaching that sermon in the same place where my father died and no one understanding the battle I was facing that was preaching the name of Jesus at the same place my father died. Preaching with that internal battle, going back into my father's office, which was now mine, and crying my eyes out. I can remember being so nervous before preaching that I'd open up the blinds to see how many cars were in the parking lot this Sunday. Feeling like a failure, wondering where God, where are you? On my bathroom floor crying, giving God a list saying, if you don't help me, God, <laughs> all these members, uh, all these other preachers could do so much better job than me. Where are you? And I can remember at the same place where I wrestled with God that way. I wrestled with God where faith came in my heart and I began to fight. And I began to fight for my future and fight for this church. And I can remember even on this property right over there setting up a lawn chair every Saturday. Just sitting in a lawn chair praying over this facility. Pray, calling those things that be not as though they were. And just getting in that building, seeing where we came from, I'm telling you, it did something in my faith. It did, it did something in my faith. And it made me wonder, I wonder if Jacob ever went back to Bethel. I wonder if Jacob ever went to the place where he wrestled with God and God changed him from Jacob over Israel. I wonder if Isaac ever went back to Mount Moriah and then like, God, this was the place where my father took me up here on this mountain and you intervened and had a ram and a jam. And just like you were with my father, then you will be with me now. I wonder if they ever did that. I wonder if Jacob ever went to Bethel and be like, right here, I wrestled with God so hard and strong right here in this moment that God changed me from Jacob to Israel, restored my family, gave me a pathway way back over into this moment. I wonder if the children of Israel ever went back to Goshen and went back to that place and been like, remember what God did here for us right here, St. Joseph, all the way out of that crazy story. And God redeemed a whole nation right here. I wonder if they ever did that. And I'm telling you what some of you need to do is you need to go back to those old houses. You, maybe you're praying for a new, you need to go back to those old houses. And you need to remember how you were in that living room and asking God to do something and God did it. God came through. And some of you maybe need to open up some old photo books and go through those photo books and remind yourself of just how good God has been to your family, been to your kids, and feed on God's faithfulness enough until you have faith for your future. And some of you, you need a Bethel. You might not have one. But there hasn't been a place where you just wrestled with God until something changed. That you need a moment. Maybe it's a chair that you just make a decision. Every morning at five o'clock, I'm praying in that chair. I don't care what happens. That chair, it'll be my Bethel. The place where I meet with God. Maybe it's at an altar. Maybe it's coming up to the church and praying in a, in, in a row. I don't know what it may be. But I'm telling you, I believe that if, if we can be a fulfillment of what God spoke in Isaiah, sing, O barren, you who did not give birth with child. Travel, open up your mouth, you who are not even pregnant. You who feel like you have been desolate and you who feel like you have been forgotten and you who have felt like you have been left behind with no family to call on you. He said, you will have more children. You will have more children than the woman who gave birth. 
He said, what you need to do in this moment right now is you need to stretch forth your cords and you need to make the tent even bigger. Because he said, the same God that brought you out of that bondage is the same God who's about to bring you out of some more. And that's why even if you didn't give birth to the thing that you thought you would give birth to, and that's why even if you feel like you have been desolate and you have been forgotten, and that is why even though you may not feel pregnant, you might begin to travail to give birth to something that you don't even know is there. He said, I'm telling you, this is the way of God. And if you will stretch even when it's not easy, you will see that you serve a God who's a God who can break you out from where you are. Sing, O barren, but I'm barren. Sing, O barren, travail with child. You who aren't even pregnant, why? You are about to break forth. And I feel like God's power is about to hit our lives in ways we have not ever seen. That the best of God and, and his works and us tasting and seeing, they are not behind. Come on, church. They are not behind us. They are out in front of us. And what God needs is some people all over this church and all over the world that says, I'm going to fight a fight of faith. Why? Because I know God has been faithful. I know God has been good. I've got a mirror and I've got a picture. And I believe just like God brought me here, God will take Take me there. I've got faith for my future because I remember God's faithfulness in my past. The Lord is good. And I'm telling you, I don't care how messed up your life is, God can redeem you. I don't care if you were hooked on drugs like that girl, God can redeem you. I don't, I don't care if you were broken in a million pieces. I felt that way. Broken in a million pieces with Satan trying to sift you like wheat. Don't let your faith fail. That's what he's after. That your faith, Jesus said, that your faith fell not. Don't let the devil have your faith. Don't let the season of discouragement have your faith. Don't let the season of, of wondering why hasn't happened yet have your faith. Having done all to stand, stand in the armor of the living God and fight the fight of faith because I believe there is a breakthrough that's coming. And that girl was glad she did. And I'm telling you, I'm so glad I did too. So at all of our campuses, let's stand to our feet. We're going to end with worship. And just have a moment where we get before God and just remind ourselves of his goodness. I'm going to pray, and then after I'm done, I'll turn it over to the worship team at Highland Colony. And when I'm done praying, I'll turn it over to the worship team here at Lakeland, and then we'll close out service. But let's just take a moment to remind ourselves of the faithfulness of God and what God has done for us. Let's pray today. Father, we come before you, and we thank you that it's not by might nor by power that we see deliverance, but it is by your mighty hand. And Father, I pray that those of us who have seen you move, that we will work up the courage that, that, that just lets us say, God, we will see you do it again. That, Father, those of us who have seen you restore, that it works up the courage in us to say, God, I know you will do it again. That those who have seen you heal, some of us in this room have seen you heal. That, Father, the same God that did it is the same God that will. We'll see you do it again. 
And Father, I thank you for those in this room and those who are in Highland Colony and those who are watching online that maybe they've never quite seen you move. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. They work up the courage like Jacob to wrestle with you until you move in their life. And Father, I thank you that when you do, they have a Bethel from now until eternity that they can go back to and say right here, this was the moment that changed absolutely everything. God's power met me here in this moment and I tasted and I saw that God was good. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for your power and for your great name. And Father, we thank you that by those things, we'll have a testimony coming out of this test that is greater than any testimony we have ever had. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.